This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. We're going to jump in today. We're going to talk about the impossible promises of God and how the Holy Spirit is the one who makes the impossible promises of God the reality of our life. And that when God shows up, a lot of times he will speak to you about things that he wants to do in your life or things that he wants to do through your life that seem completely beyond your realm of ability or capability. And what what we'll see today, especially in the story of Mary, is that when God makes a promise, God keeps the promise by the power of his Holy Spirit at work in our lives. So today we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. We're going to talk about the virgin birth. I know sometimes some of our chapel kids like to hang out with us. And so just fair warning, parents, if you haven't had that talk, Amy has a wonderful experience planned for them this morning, uh, unless you want to have that talk this afternoon. But you have been warned. It is not my fault. It is in the Bible. So Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born to you will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Mary receives an impossible promise from the Lord. Now, many times when you receive an impossible promise, which let's just be uh, clear from the beginning, Mary is the only person in history who has ever received a promise that she will get pregnant as a virgin, right? So that's not a card that anyone else ever gets to play again. This is not a promise that God will ever make to any of us again. This is a one-off, never going to happen. And so I understand this morning when we're trying to make applications from Mary's impossible promises to our impossible promises, just understand whatever possible promise God made you, hers was bigger. Hers was more challenging. Hers had never been done before. And it's likely whatever impossible promise God has made you, you can at least find some precedent for in church history. But for Mary, this impossible promise initially sounds like a pretty incredible promise. You might find the same thing at work in your life. God shows up and begins to make a promise to you about things he's going to do or places he's going to lead or things that he wants to accomplish or a dozen other things. And initially it sounds fun. It sounds exciting. It sounds like something you want to move towards. For Mary, the promise is you found favor with God. I mean, I I don't know a single person that wouldn't want an angel to show up in their home and tell them, hey, just wanted to let you know you have found favor with God. Right? I think like many of us, our response would be, that's great. Tell me more. 
what is this favor like? And so he tells her, he says, you'll conceive and give birth to a son. Again, that sounds great. Mary's engaged. She's planning to get married. She lives in a culture that values male heirs. And so she may perhaps hear this as, okay, one day in the future, that will happen and it will be wonderful. He says, you will call him Jesus. So she doesn't have to worry about choosing a name, right? There's no arguments of doing name after Joseph or my own father or any of that kind of thing. He will be great and called the son of the most high. Again, a, a wonderful promise of, well, I'm favored. So of course my son will be favored and, and he'll be a son of God. And she's a good Jewish girl. So she knows that they are all sons of the most high. And then the incredible promise starts to sound a little more impossible. He says, the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. And this is getting a little weird, but still seems very appealing. And then the angel tells her, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end. And now the incredible sounds impossible because is he saying my son will never die? Is he saying my son will be the king of Israel? What exactly is being said here? But there's a step beyond that that makes Mary feel like this is an impossible promise. There is something that happens in her spirit when the angel makes this announcement that Mary understands the promise that you will conceive and give birth to a son is not a promise for some day down the road after she's married to Joseph. But she hears the promise of you will conceive as a right now, real quick, soon, before you're married, you're going to conceive. And Mary knows how babies are made just like everyone in the room knows how babies are made. And she knows there is no workaround to this system. There is no other way for it to happen. And so she understands this is an impossible promise because it's an impossible reality. But what we learn from Mary's story is that the virgin birth is incredibly impossible because that's exactly what God's intention is for the arrival of Jesus. The virgin birth is the first proof of the divinity of Jesus. The virgin birth is essential to separate Jesus from every holy man and woman who has come before him. The virgin birth is what separates Jesus from every other rabbi, religious leader, prophet, king, every person in the world who has ever had a special connection to God. Jesus's is different because of the virgin birth. And so what we begin to learn in Mary's story is that when God makes impossible promises to you, it's not just about you, but ultimately it's about his kingdom. And so when he's made impossible promises of you will be saved, delivered, and set free from everything that holds you captive, that's not just a promise for you, but it's a promise that when that happens, God's kingdom will be on display in the world around you and others will be drawn to it because of it. Now for Mary, when she receives this promise of the virgin birth, initially she's the only one that can confirm with 100% certainty that it happened. She tells the story to Elizabeth. She tells the story to Joseph. She tells the story to others who are close to her. And God comes and begins to confirm her message. But you know, throughout her life, there are still people who always whisper, virgin birth. Yeah, right. Nice story. But maybe as Jesus's ministry begins to progress, maybe some of those who kind of whispered behind her back are at the wedding of Cana when the water is turned into wine and they think maybe she was onto something. 
As they watch Jesus begin to open the eyes of the blind, begin to open the ears of the deaf, begin to heal the sick, to feed the multitudes, to raise the dead, to walk on water, to calm the storms. As they witness his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension, somewhere along the way, the virgin birth moves from something that just Mary believed and something that just she had been promised to something that we now all place our faith in to the point that even this morning, we, 2,000 years later, are still reciting, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the virgin Mary. God's impossible promise to Mary was necessary to create an impossible reality to prove that he could create life out of nothing. And in the same way, the life ministry and mission of Jesus was all about proclaiming God's kingdom is here and he can still create life in every broken, dead, and dying place in your heart and in the world. And so when God makes an impossible promise, it's not our job to argue with him. It's not our job to tell him why it's not possible. It's our job just to accept the calling that he has on our life. And yet, when God makes an impossible promise, you become aware of the impossibilities. And when you become aware of it, sometimes you just can't help but say it out loud. Of Lord, I understand and I hear, but there's some things you need to consider. And Mary kind of models this hesitancy for us. In Luke chapter 1, verse 34, her first response is, How will this be since I am a virgin? Again, Mary knows what is being asked of her. And she knows why it's impossible. But it's not just that she's an unmarried virgin. It's that Mary also lives outside of all of the power structures of her society. She's a young girl who lives in a rural town. She is overlooked in almost every way imaginable by the the structure of society at the time. To, To be the one who is not only being told you will conceive and give birth to a son and he will be Jesus and he will reign on the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the descendants of Jacob forever. All of this, it just, it, in Mary's perspective, it gets crazier and crazier and crazier and crazier. So she just starts at the first level of crazy of how will this be? Because I'm a virgin. See, when, when God begins to give us impossible promises, oftentimes we have some hesitation and we begin to voice it in our life. Now, Mary's in pretty good company. When you read through the Old Testament, you find that this pattern plays out over and over and over again. God shows up with impossible promises for men and women. They hear the promise. They might get a little bit excited about it, but yet they, they also know all the reasons that it can't actually be them. You see it in the story of Moses. God appears to Moses in a burning bush in the desert and tells him, you're going to go back to Pharaoh and speak to him, and you're going to tell him to let my people go. Moses has a couple hesitations. He says, well, what if they won't listen to me? And then then he follows up with, but I've never been eloquent. I'm slow of speech and tongue. Moses is saying, how can I speak to Pharaoh when I can't hardly speak at all? You find the story of Gideon when Gideon is out threshing wheat in a wine press, right? He's he's in a position of defeat and weakness. The Israelites are suffering at the hands of the Midianites, a foreign enemy who's invaded them and, and just makes life miserable in every way. And God shows up to Gideon and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, and tells him you're gonna be the one that delivers the people of Israel from the hand of the Midianites. And Gideon's response is, I don't know if you know who I am, but I'm from the weakest tribe, I'm from the weakest clan, I'm from the weakest family, and I'm the weakest person in the weakest everything. I don't know that you want me. When God calls Jeremiah the prophet to be his mouthpiece to the people, uh, to God's people, Jeremiah's response is, I'm too young. 
I think you should choose someone else. And when God shows up to Mary and tells her, you're going to give birth to Jesus, her response is, how can this be? I'm a virgin. And so what I want you to understand this morning is if God speaks to you and the promises he speaks to you, they're they're confirmed by the scriptures, they're affirmed by the Holy Spirit, you share them with other believers and they're saying, yes, I believe that is what God is promising you, what he's speaking to you. All of those things can be true and there still comes that point where you can say, yeah, but... Here's why I don't think God should choose me. Here's why I don't think God should ask me to do this. And what you see in Moses and Gideon and Jeremiah and Mary, it's not necessarily that they doubt God's ability to do what he said he's going to do. It's just that they doubt his ability to do it through them. Like Moses believed, sure, God can lead people out. I just don't know that he would pick me. Gideon believed God could deliver the people from the Midianites. He just didn't think he should choose him. Jeremiah believed that God could prophetically speak through men to nations. He just thought he was too young for it. And Mary believed God could do whatever he wants. She's just surprised of, but I'm a virgin. And so when when you begin to hesitate, what I would encourage you with is you are in very good company. Now, we all have our our own reasons that we hesitate when God makes promises to us. Some of us, we hesitate because of our past. This was Moses' hesitation. Moses thought, Lord, I don't know that you want to pick me. Uh, I don't know if you're aware, but I've never really been good at speaking. And, And furthermore, Lord, I'm not sure if you're aware, but I'm actually a wanted man in Egypt right now. Lord, you, you literally, like with Moses, God literally knew where Moses had buried the body. Like some of you joke about where you've buried the bodies. Moses buried a body. Moses killed someone. That's why he's on the backside of the desert. He's a fugitive. And God shows up and says, you're going to go back there and you're going to speak to Pharaoh and Pharaoh's going to let my people go. But Moses says, I can't, Lord, my past. And sometimes God comes to us and he begins to tell us, hey, here's the salvation I'm going to bring. Here's the healing I'm going to bring. Here's the deliverance I'm going to bring. Here's how I'm going to use you to bring salvation to your family. Here's how I'm going to use you to bring change in your community. Here's the relationships that I'm going to restore. Here's the reconciliation that I'm about to work. And our first response is, but Lord, what about everything I've done? What about the lies that I told? What about the destructive behaviors that I embraced? What about all the bridges that I've burned? What about all the people that I've hurt? What about everyone that knows my story? What about my criminal record? What about the way that I left the company? What about how I quit on those who were closest to me? What about how I betrayed those who loved me? Lord, you you can't expect me to do these things because I'm carrying the weight of all that I've done before. Yet what we see with Moses is God saying, hey, I know exactly what you've done. I know exactly who you are, and I'm still calling you on this path and moving you forward. Sometimes we hesitate because we don't think we're enough. This was Gideon's objection of, Lord, I I can't. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not from the right tribe. I'm not from the right clan. I'm not from the right family. I'm not in the right birth order in my own family. I don't have enough. And when God comes and speaks to us, we oftentimes have the same response of, "I, I, I don't have enough education. I don't have enough experience. I don't have enough connections. I don't have enough faith. I don't have enough courage. I don't have enough strength. I don't have enough ability. I don't have it. And you just fill in your blank of whatever it is. But but we all have our list of areas where we know that we're inadequate. And if God comes and speaks an impossible promise to you and your first response is, here's all the reasons I'm not enough, I would encourage you that maybe that's the exact reason God chose you. 
So as you read through the scriptures, Paul tells us that God loves to choose the foolish things of the world and the things that are not to shame the wise things of the world. And what you find is that the men and women God chooses over and over and over again are usually men and women who are not terribly impressed with themselves. And I think the reason for that is because God's not terribly impressed with people who are impressed with themselves. If if you think you can already do it all on your own, why would he come and ask you to do something more? And so when he speaks to you and your first response is, "I I don't think I'm enough, maybe instead of an insecurity, that can just be a place of humility where God begins to work. And then for, for some of us, the reason that we hesitate is, is just pure fear. I think this has to be a little bit of Mary's experience. When angel speaks to her, it says that she's disturbed. She's afraid. Mary knows how babies are made, and she knows that she's not married, and she knows what happens to women in her culture who are not married who get pregnant. And so there's a little bit of fear involved of exactly how is this going to work, and then what is going to happen to me. And for us, when God shows up and says, here's what I'm going to do in your family, here's what I'm going to do in your marriage, here's how I'm going to bring reconciliation, here's how I'm going to bring restoration, sometimes our response is fear of, Lord, I'm afraid to follow you down that path. I'm afraid I'm going to fail. I'm afraid I'm going to look foolish. I'm afraid of, of the steps of faith that might be required from me. I'm afraid of maybe some of the sacrifices that might come along with it. And then finally, for some of us, we hesitate, and, and I mean, probably not you personally, and definitely never me, but I've heard some people will hesitate because they're lazy. Again, no, no one here, but you can imagine what that might be like and how it might sound. Now, we don't really think of Mary when she hears God's, God's call on her life of having to overcome laziness. Like, what, what would be hard about carrying the Son of God? Right, and, and every, like, I, I look around, I see a few pregnant women, you'd be like, a lot, actually. I can't breathe right now. And this baby's crawling out my throat. I mean, like, it's just, I mean, I've never been pregnant, shockingly, uh, but I'm married to someone who has been. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, wild, it's a wild experience watching your wife be pregnant. And I've heard it's even more wild when you're the one who's pregnant. But there's nothing really easy about it, right? And, and even though Jesus was sinless, like, do you think Mary still got morning sickness? Do you think Mary, like, did she still go through? I mean, I think she did. I think she still suffered the pains of childbirth. I think she still went through all of this, but it's okay because she got to go on a long donkey ride right before she had a baby, (laughs) which I've heard is really, really soothing. Uh, You know, I, I don't think it is. Like, there's a lot of things that Mary had to go through that required blood, sweat, and tears to see the promises of God fulfilled in her life. And we know that. We know when God shows up with impossible promises that it's going to take us into new places and call us to do new things. It's going to require hard work. It's going to require discipline. And that's the primary reason some of us look at the impossible promises of God, no matter how incredible they seem, and we just decide, you know what, I'm just going to opt out. I like my life. I like my schedule. I like my order. I like that I can clock in, clock out, go home, and not care. I like to just sit on the couch and watch the games. I like to scroll through my phone. I like to binge Netflix. I like my weekends to be my own. I like to only worry about my problems and not everyone else's problems. And at the very core, what all all of that is, is just pure laziness. Just we don't want to participate in what God is calling us to do. Because honestly, most of what God is calling you to do, especially with the impossible promises, they are too big for you. It's too much for you to do on your own. 
And, and so he's calling us into this space so that we'll take the step of faith to receive his gift to enable us to live in this way. But what we see from Moses, what we see from Gideon, what we see from Jeremiah, what we see from Mary, if we had time we could do this with dozens of other biblical characters, is that when you're hesitant, it's okay to just be honest. And sometimes we have this thought of, well, if God gives me an impossible promise, I need to be this great man of faith, I need to be this great woman of faith, and I cannot voice my doubts, my fears, or my concerns. And yet, what you see in the scriptures is Mary and Jeremiah and Gideon and Moses, the moment God speaks the promise, their first response is hesitancy. They don't pretend to be holier or more full of faith than they are. God says, Moses, you're going to lead my people out of Israel. And Moses says, what if they don't believe me? He says, Jeremiah, you're going to be a prophet. And Jeremiah says, I'm too young. Mary, you're going to give birth to the savior of the world. How can this be? Because I'm a virgin. And so what we see in the scriptures is that when we voice our hesitation, when we voice our concerns, when we voice our doubts, it does not make them more powerful, but it actually cuts the legs out from underneath them. See, for as long as you keep your doubts and your hesitations internal, for as long as you pretend like they don't exist, for as long as you pretend like you've mastered the fear, you've mastered the worry, you've mastered the doubt, it just keeps churning inside of you. And the enemy uses it as a launching ground to, to send attack after attack after attack after you. But when you bring those hesitations out and into the light and you say, Lord, I hear what you're calling me to do. And here's why I'm worried about it. When you're honest with God, you're putting yourself in a position to hear his honest response to every single one of your doubts. And you can go back this afternoon, you can read in the story of Moses. God says, that's what you're worried about. Here's what I'm going to do. You can read in Gideon's story. That's what you're worried about. Watch this. You can read in Jeremiah's story. If that's your concern, here's how I'll take care of it. And with Mary, we see the same thing. How can this be? Because I'm a virgin. In Luke chapter 1, verse 35, we find the angel's response to her. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. God's direct answer to Mary's question of how will this be was the Holy Spirit. God chose Mary, God spoke to Mary, and God would send the Holy Spirit to Mary to accomplish his purposes. And so, so what's interesting for us to notice here is we'll see Mary's faith-filled response of sounds good, let's go, let it be. We'll get there in a minute, but what I, I want you to understand is Mary's initial gift of faith that she receives is because the angel reminds her this is God's promise, and God's promise always includes God's provision. God never makes a promise to you without a plan to fulfill the promise. You might not know what the plan is, but he does. And so Mary, she hears the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And, and as far as we know, she never gets any more detail than that. We don't know exactly when that happens. We don't know if she's sleeping and wakes up the next day and is like, I'm pregnant. We, we don't know anything. All we know is God made a promise. God revealed a plan. And God kept his promise. And so Mary, the, the pressure is really off of her. Well, how will this be? Well, okay, Mary, you want to know the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you and you'll give birth to a child. Great. It means that the promise was God's promise. And so it wasn't on Mary to manufacture her miracle. Right, for you and I, a lot of times we come to the Lord with our impossible promise and we're saying, Lord, how are you going to achieve this? And he tells us through the power of the Holy Spirit, just start walking. And we're like, yes, I thank you for that, but I need to know how you're going to achieve it. It says, through the 
through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, but can you give me like steps one through seven? Like I'll start the business, but can you tell me the first person I need to contact? Can you tell me the first problem I'll have to handle? Can you tell me the mentor who's going to help me? Can you get, kind of just give me, give me the first 10 steps? That's all I need, Lord. But what's he say to Mary? He doesn't give Mary any steps. There's no part of like, Mary, you're going to need to eat clean and organic for the next seven days. Right? He doesn't say it. There's no part of Mary, why don't you grab these oils and rub them on your belly in a clockwise direction seven times every morning and night. He never tells her to get in a room with frankincense and myrrh and pray until she sees her belly grown. All he says is the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and you will conceive. What's he saying? He's saying, look, God made a promise and the Holy Spirit's going to show up and you're going to know that God has kept his promise. What we find in our lives is oftentimes when God makes a promise, we express our hesitation. He meets our hesitation with the Holy Spirit. We often have a, just a supernatural sense that God has begun fulfilling that promise before anyone else in the world can even observe a difference in us. Mary knew she was pregnant before anyone else knew she was pregnant. She knew that God had answered his promise. And then as she becomes pregnant, she begins to show, as she has to tell her story and explain how this happened, as Joseph joins her in this journey and begins to share that story as well, time after time after time after time, they're remembering, this was not our idea, this was not our plan, and so whatever difficulties, hardships may come, God has a plan for every single one of them. And Mary began to understand the same thing that you and I will understand when we embrace the impossible promises of God. He always sends the Holy Spirit to us to help us get started on that journey. And when God makes a promise to you, he keeps the promise not because of you, but because he's the one who made it. Right, we'll, we'll may talk a little bit next week about Mary and Joseph and some of the things in their life that, that caused the Lord to choose them. But for today, what we want to understand is God just called out this anonymous girl and put this incredibly impossible calling on her life. And when she voiced her hesitation, his response was, don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit will take care of it. And so, so for some of us today, we find ourselves dealing with impossible promises. And I don't know what that might be in your life. Maybe it's the promise that you will be saved, delivered, and set free from the, the chains of addiction and sin that have you so bound up. Maybe it's that you will finally be free from the depression that has plagued you for years and decades. Maybe it's that the Lord will breathe life back into your marriage and he will soften the heart of your spouse towards you and you towards your spouse and begin to bring you back into a place of love and compassion towards each other. Maybe it's a belief that God's going to restore the fractures in your family that have been brought by the effects of sin. Maybe it's a promise that, that your prodigal son or daughter will return to faith, that they will hear the voice of the Holy Spirit drawing them back to Jesus. Maybe it's that your mom or your dad, who you've prayed for for decades, will finally surrender their life to the Lord. Maybe the impossible promise you're facing right now is that God has told you, I am going to provide for every need, and yet you see the bills piling up and the bank account decreasing. 
Maybe it's a promise of healing. Maybe it's a promise of hope. Maybe it's a promise that you will do something significant with your life, that you will be part of bringing change to your community. I don't know what the promise may be, but I know the more impossible it seems to you today, the more desperately you need to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Because his presence is better than any five steps that I can give you. His presence is better than any scripted prayer that you can pray. His presence is better than any book that you can read. When Mary says, how can this be? The angel says, through the Holy Spirit. And Mary takes him at his word. She says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. When you've received an impossible promise and you've voiced your hesitations and God has met every one of those hesitations with his truth, all that's left is your obedience. All that's left is to say, okay, Lord, if if that's it, then let's just go in that direction. Holy Spirit, will you fill me with your power? Holy Spirit, will you fill me with your presence? Holy Spirit, will you come and do what only you can do? Will you come and accomplish everything that you have planned in my life? And as you begin to take that step of faith, you begin to experience the fulfillment of the promise. See, and this is where some of us maybe get stuck and and where we never see the impossible become our reality. Because we hear the impossible promise. We hear that God will send the Holy Spirit to us. We rejoice and we welcome the Holy Spirit. But then we never start moving in the direction of the promise. At, At some point... For you to experience the impossible promises of God, you are going to have to take steps of obedience and faith. You're going to have to walk the path that he lays out for you. And it will be a path of incredible joy and significance. It may also be a path of hard work and suffering. When Mary hears the announcement that Jesus will be the savior, she's told that it will be such great joy, but a sword will pierce her own soul as well. It's not all rainbows and roses for Mary on the path of God's impossible promise, but she chose to subject her life to the will of God and to do whatever he had in in store for her. And so for you and I, when we say to the Holy Spirit, hey, let's, let's go. Fill me with your power, reveal the path, and I'm just gonna take the next step and the next step and the next step, and I'm gonna keep walking in that direction. What's gonna happen is you're gonna begin to experience God's provision. Your faith is going to begin to build, but you are also going to be challenged because every impossible promise that God makes to you is to further his kingdom. And there's an enemy who's dedicated to destroying his kingdom. And part of destroying his kingdom means stopping you on your path of experiencing the fulfillment of the promises God has made in your life. And so there will be obstacles, there will be hardships, there will be difficulties, there will be setbacks. There will be moments of frustration and disappointment. There will be tears. There may be some anger. But if the Lord has spoken and you have received the power of the Holy Spirit, you just keep going. But God is so kind to us as we keep going. He doesn't leave us on our own, but instead he continues to encourage us along the way. I mean, he doesn't just tell Mary the Holy Spirit will come and you'll be fine. The the power of the Most High will overshadow you and you'll have a baby. But he also tells us in, in Luke 1, verse 36 and 37, he gives Mary one final assurance. He says, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from the Lord will ever fail. Elizabeth and Mary are related. Elizabeth was significantly older than Mary and had never been able to have children. 
because they're related, Mary would have grown up hearing the stories of Elizabeth's inability to conceive. She would have heard the prayers that Elizabeth and her husband prayed that God would bless them with a baby. Mary probably at some point in her life prayed for Elizabeth to be able to have a baby. It would have been a topic of conversation with Mary's mother and father. It would have been something that was whispered about at family gatherings. And yet just six months before, an angel of the Lord shows up to Elizabeth and says, you're going to conceive and give birth to a son and his name will be John and he will be the forerunner of the Messiah who prepares the way for him. And then Mary has watched as old Elizabeth has got pregnant. And she's watching as that pregnancy grows and every day, every interaction she has with Elizabeth is a testimony of the fact that no word from God will ever fail. And so when the angel says, the power of the most high will overshadow you, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will conceive. He doesn't just leave her at that. He says, and by the way, don't forget Elizabeth. You know her story, you know her situation, you know that an angel spoke to them and you know that she's pregnant. And so what God has done there God can do here. It's a wonderful reminder to us as well that when we're pursuing the impossible promises of God in our life, almost every single thing that you're pursuing, that you're waiting for, God has already done for someone else. You're not the first one waiting for restoration. You're not the first one waiting for freedom. You're not the first one longing for healing. You're not the first one wondering if the grief will ever relent. You are not the first one to pray for a lost son or a daughter. You're not the first one to be hurt by a mom or a dad. You're not the first one to lose a job. You're not the first one to be broke. You're not the first one to suffer from depression. You're not the first one to do anything. And the promises God has made to you, he has already fulfilled in the life of someone else. And as you begin to hear their story, it begins to build faith in you. Just this, this I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday of this week, I got an email from, from one of my friends. Uh, she had emailed several of our pastors. She said, hey, you guys know my story. I've been the only Christian in my family for over three decades. You know that I have prayed and longed for opportunities to witness to my parents, to my siblings. We know her well enough to know that she's attempted that at different times in different ways. And sometimes it, it, you know, basically it has either went bad or just okay. It's never went great. She said, but 32 years ago, God gave me a picture of me sitting in a hospital bed, holding my father's hand, or with my, sitting in a hospital room, my father in a hospital bed, me holding his hand and sharing the gospel with him. She said, and I've, I've just held on to that for 32 years and I've, I've prayed that God would give me the chance. And her dad's been in the hospital and she's visited him off and on and it's never happened. In her email, she said, over the last couple years, I really started to lose hope as my dad was sliding into dementia. Because it was hard to have conversations with him and I, I was on the verge of thinking that maybe I had misheard God's promise or because how do you share faith with someone who doesn't have a clear mind and can't hold a conversation? She said, this last week, I got a phone call from my family that it looked like the end was coming for dad. And there were maybe just a few days left. So I, I drove up and my, my siblings and my mom, they'd been there a lot. So I just gave them a break. I said, hey, I'll take every morning. She said, for two mornings, I was there and about four hours every morning, he had a crystal clear mind. We talked about the past. We talked about the present. We talked about the future. I told him that I I forgave him for some of the things that he had done to me. I asked him to forgive me for some of the things that I had done to him. 
So we cried together, we prayed together. And most importantly, I got to share the gospel with my dad. And in these moments of coherence, he accepted Jesus as his savior. And she said it was a, a 32 year promise. She sent us that earlier this week and I sat on it and I finally emailed her back like, hey, do you, like you can't, you, just so you know, you can't send good stories to pastors and not expect us to share them. Like we love to share the things that God is doing. So I said, do you mind? She said, absolutely not, please do. And then this morning at six o'clock, I got a text message from one of my, my mentors, another pastor. He said, I just did my dad's funeral yesterday. He was 82 years old. And he was telling us about some of the things he'd learned in there. And he said, but the most important thing, I'd been praying for my dad for decades. He'd watched me in ministry for, for going on 25 years now. And on November 16th, I was able to lead my dad to the Lord for the very first time. And it, it was just this really kind of sweet reminder to me this week of, because I know some of you and I know your stories and, and others of you I don't, but here's what I know. Many of us are holding on to impossible promises and we're just waiting and wondering, did God make that and will he fulfill it? And what I want you to hear this morning is no word from the Lord will ever fail. Your child was his child before they were yours. Your parents belonged to him before you belonged to them. Your health was his concern before it was your concern. Your provision was his responsibility before it was yours. And so whatever promise he has made that you know this is from the Lord, it's been confirmed by the scriptures, it's affirmed by the Holy Spirit. I've had other believers that come and said, yes, this is what God is calling me to. My encouragement to you today is don't give up. Don't quit, don't stop, don't believe the lies of the enemy that God has forgotten or turned away. But instead, hear the message of the scriptures. The Holy Spirit will come to you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And God will achieve everything that he has promised to do in your life because it's not your promise, it's his promise. It's not by your faith, it's by his faith. It's not through your strength, it's through his strength. And there might be some bumps and there might be some valleys and there might be some dark nights of the soul, but if God has said it, he will do it. This is the promise of scripture. And so if, if you're able and willing, if you'll stand with me, I just want to pray for us that that'll be our reality. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? If you're here and you are believing God to fulfill an impossible promise in your life, will you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Jesus, you see every person and you know every situation. Lord, I believe that those uplifted hands, that they represent people who are longing for freedom. They represent lives that are desperate for restoration and reconciliation. Lord, we're lifting our hands on behalf of our friends, our family, our neighbors who do not know you, and we're longing for them to turn their lives over to you. Lord, you see the physical needs that are represented. You see the emotional needs that are represented. You see the financial needs. God, you see the, the generational issues in families that we are crying out for you to break and deliver us from. Lord, you know every situation and you know the promises you have made to us. And so Lord, we come today not seeking the fulfillment of our promise, but surrendering to the power of your Holy Spirit to accomplish everything that you have designed in our life. And so, Lord, we ask that you would forgive us of anything that keeps us from experiencing your promises. 
Lord, we lay down our sin. We lay down our addictions. We lay down the the choices we keep making over and over and over again that we know are at odds with you. And we pray that you would bring forgiveness and restoration to us, that you would break every chain that holds us in place. And Lord, we ask that as we do that, you would release your gifts of faith and healing, that you would release your gifts of provision and direction. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. I encourage you, just begin praying. Ask the Holy Spirit to come and begin fulfilling the impossible promises of your God. Uh, Call out that name that you're praying for. Call out the situation. Begin to ask for what God is directing you to ask for. Ask him for healing. Ask him for provision. Ask him for peace. Ask him for joy. Ask him to release knowledge. Ask him to release wisdom. Ask him to show you the direction you're supposed to go. Ask him to come and break every chain that holds you back. Ask him to bring freedom and life. Ask him to restore your marriage. Ask him to draw your children to himself. Ask him to heal the fractures in your family. Ask him to release his gifts of healing in your body to drive out disease, to drive out arthritis, to restore what the doctor has told you. There is no hope of restoration. Just begin to ask, Lord, will you come and do what only you can do? Holy Spirit, will you fill our hearts and our minds? Will you come and accomplish all that God has intended for us to experience today? Jesus, we need you. Holy Spirit, we long for your power and your presence. Will you come and do what only you can do? Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.